This podcast is brought to you by She Society, sharing the perspectives and stories of women Australia-wide. everybody and welcome to Buzzing About Books with Michelle Beasley. This week I'm doing something different. I'm doing my first interview. So I'm here at the She Society offices and I'm going to interview the best-selling author, Australian author, Maya Linnell. Maya is the author of The Beautiful Wildflower Ridge, which you can see here. Uh, it was a bestseller in 2019 and it has just been voted one of the top 100 books by by our friends at Better Reading. So well done, Maya. Also, in June, on June 2nd, her second book, Bottle Brush Creek, was released. And in the first book, they told the story of Penny and Tim. And Penny was an executive and Tim was her childhood sweetheart. And he worked in the farm at Wildflower Ridge. This book tells about Angie and her fly-in, fly-out boyfriend Rob so I love the story Maya and it looks like you've started off with a great success so can you tell us how it's been received especially in these difficult times thank you very much Michelle Um, I've been so delighted to see people uh, buying books people are interested in escaping to the country in these times so it's really lovely the um, the it was one of the highest new entries in the first week of the of the charts so really lovely to see that people are really keen to pick up a book and continue on the McIntyre sisters journey. Oh congratulations were you ever tempted to leave the release until later in the year I know Trent Dalton's done that but did you think this is the sort of book that people would be looking for now? At first, I wasn't sure whether um, everything would just get put on hold. And I spoke to my publisher and I said, look, I know there's quite a few authors that are leaving their winter releases until the springtime. And then, of course, you know, I thought, well, what does that mean in terms of the congestion of all the springtime releases and the Christmas releases were just going to be chock-a-blocker? And the publisher said, if we stop things now, from our perspective, we're just going to be back-to-back. There's going to be a massive backlog. So... Note, we believe that people are keen to just take themselves away in a story. If they can't go anywhere, at least they can still, you know, pick up a book and and go to the farm that way. So luckily for me, they decided to keep the release in June as originally planned. And I think it's turned out quite nicely because um, luckily the shops have just started opening and people are still able to order online as well. So there's deliveries coming in and I think it's um, it's been fortunate they've held it to the same release date. Oh, exactly. I was pleased too, May. It's just been a wonderful book for me to read while we're in lockdown and I love the fact you've used some of your own experiences. Can you tell our She Society readers where you're coming from today? Uh, yes, we are in southwest Victoria, so I'm looking to the due south right now and I've got the ocean just along the horizon um, of our property. I've got paddocks in front of me. Um, we've got a lovely little rural block of land here and I'm sitting in the office of the house that we built ourselves. And if anyone has picked up Bottle Rush Creek or attempted to pick up Bottle Rush Creek, they'll soon discover that there's a really big um, fixer-upper 
project that the main character Angie takes on with her partner Rob and a lot of that has been drawn from the inspiration of, of my husband and I building our own property um, here. It was just a bare paddock when we arrived with an old dairy shed down the back of the paddock and just some cows walking around this block so we slowly transformed it into a home started off with gardens, we started um, plotting, planning, living in a very small space where we built the house and there are little elements of that right throughout the novel, that the little things that just resonated with me that, um, you know, when you're going to go to the effort to do this type of project, there's a lot of responsibility and, and ducks that you've got to get in a row before you can start moving on to a different stage of the project. Oh, terrific, yes. And I could relate so well, Maya, because when I was young, 22-year-old, year two teacher, we bought an old Queenslander here in Brisbane and did it up, pulled the veranda out. So every time I was reading something in the story, I was nodding my head going, oh, yes, I remember that. I remember how challenging that was. So can you tell us from Angie and Rob's perspective, what were some of the challenges they faced in the book to getting their little fixer-upper and of course I don't think it's any secret that the um, block is next to their Rob's parents so that has some challenges of its own so what are the challenges in the way of this romance rural romance Um, so I think in Bottle Rush Creek one of the main things is that um, Angie and Rob even though Rob is a builder and that's his trade, he's not been doing that for quite a while. So as you mentioned earlier, him being fly in, fly out, he's been used to that lifestyle where you've got a great income, you know, you don't have much responsibility on the home front because you're away for weeks at a time. Um, And Angie and Rob think that this is going to be something that will bring their little family together. So, of course, with that, Angie's never done, she's a beautician, she hasn't done any house renovations before. So, I think they go into it with some unrealistic expectations of exactly how much work you can get done yourselves and um, the budget type of constraints are always quite different depending on, you know, how much money you've got to start with. And and for them, the cottage is at at quite a reasonable price when they go in to buy it. And, of course, we'll find out later that, you know, things aren't always as they seem throughout the storyline. So they've got timelines. They're living in this tiny little caravan in parked inside a shed on the property so they've got a great location but of course with a toddler and trying to get work done in the dairy farm next door that every now and then they get called up to help at you know it's not exactly smooth sailing and that was one of the lovely things that they have this daughter Claudia so they have to take into account her needs and keeping her happy and we both know while you're renovating that's hard as well isn't it (laughs) absolutely no I think it's one of those lovely little things that you know children don't seem to care what type of um, timelines you've got and what your priority list is for the day you know they've got their own needs and it doesn't always go hand in hand with with what you're trying to achieve so so that's a nice little dilemma and then we've got um, you know Claudia's got a couple of different little issues herself she's a biter and anyone who's had a child that's a biter knows the horror that you get when you're around other people's children and you're on guard the whole time wondering if this is going to be the day they're going to sink their teeth into someone's cheek or hand or face and um, I think as well as the troubles with the different tradesmen that they've got coming to help on their property you know there's always those dynamics of the mother-in-law next door and her scope for discipline and you know, what is that fine line between helping and interfering? Yes, and that was my next question. I loved the character of Rosa, the mother-in-law, 
but she was too helpful wasn't she a lot of the time so that was another point of contention between Angie and Rob so can you explain where the character of Rosa came from yeah I loved writing Rosa she was such a sweetheart and you can just see in in the early scenes or I could feel it in the early scenes when I was writing her that she so wanted this opportunity to be more a part of her son's life and her granddaughter's life and she was so enthusiastic about taking Angie on and nestling her in close because Angie doesn't have her own mum, of course, in the story. So we know that, you know, Rosa is hoping that she can help fill this void and provide the advice that a mother would normally give to, you know, her own daughter about how to do things and and the best way to go about it. So she's very well-intentioned and has all the enthusiasm in the world. And, you know, I really felt for Rosa in some of those scenes where Angie's just not reciprocating. Um, But then... On the opposite hand, I could really feel for Angie those frustrations of having, you know, her mother-in-law pop over regularly when she's on this fitness health kick to try and get her own um, self-esteem back up to to scratch. And here's Rosa being very helpful and here's another big Tupperware container full of baked goods. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Well, you wrote her in such a genuine, heartwarming way. I really felt for her and it was a beautiful addition to the story. And that brings me to the get fit part. That was very honest too. I think we all have those little voices in our head, Maya, that, oh, you know, I need to have a little bit of a run. And especially after you've had a baby, that was very honest, an honest portrayal of a young woman at that stage in her life and are you a runner yourself or have you ever experienced any of those things yeah thank you Michelle I'm really glad that 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 came through Um, so I took up running briefly uh, after I'd had my third child because I did I felt like I just needed to try and do something for me I wanted to take back a little bit of control and goodness knows when you've got three children control is pretty much out the window for most things But um, but for me and for Angie, that running was an escape to to try and reclaim a little bit of herself. And, you know, one of my favourite things about Angie as a character is that she loves baking. And I'm quite cruel to Angie in the story in that she doesn't have an oven throughout the duration of the story. (laughs) Yes, I love that part because I know you love to bake as well and that's an integral part of Wildflower Ridge as well. And the McIntyre family, everyone congregates in the kitchen, having these scones and treats. So, yes, to... uh, have Angie renovating the house without an oven made another little dilemma in there, didn't it? (laughs) It did, it did. So, you know, she figures, well, if I haven't got an oven, I won't be baking as much. Maybe it's the perfect time to get fit. Maybe I'll treat this as my little hiatus from all the the good things I love and enjoy and I'll, I'll kick it off. and and go strong but of course it doesn't necessarily go to plan does it (laughs) no no I love that part so that was great now if anyone watches you on Instagram or your Facebook page they'll know that you're a keen baker keen gardener what have you been baking recently in lockdown Maya well we bake a lot so if the oven's not going at least three times a week with something different then something's wrong that means I'm I'm in the in bed with the flu (laughs) so um one of our favourite things to bake, and it's a recipe that I've put into Bottle Rush Creek, is the four-ingredient coconut cake. And it's the most simple, easy-to-make recipe. And Claudia makes it with Angie in the book. And it's just this lovely little recipe that I taught my daughter. It's the first thing that you know she knows how to bake without me giving her any assistance. 
So we've popped that recipe up on the website, um, mayelanel.com, and I've also got a tutorial. My daughter and I have been working on a little YouTube video. Oh, so right. that has come to <laughs> And I know you did another interview where you all baked scones. How yes, that was, oh, that was so much fun. I was um, really thrilled to be invited with the Australian Romance Readers Association to come up with some type of um, video presentation for their, they were doing like a, lo- a lockdown rendezvous instead of a general meetup. Yeah. And so I thought, well, what could I offer? I could do a sit down Q&A. I could, you know, do a reading for my book or do you know what? Maybe it'd be fun. A few people have asked me for my scones recipe because I do love making them, on a, especially on a Sunday morning. Yeah. Um, and I thought, well, I've got other friends who are authors who also love making scones, and it seems to be a bit of a, a unicorn in that some people have a lot of luck with scones, and some people just cannot make them for love nor money, no matter how well intentioned you know they are. Yeah. So I thought, well, I'll do a tutorial of how I make my scones. And then I'll get some of the ladies that I know that love baking scones to tell me about their recipe and we can talk about books and cooking and um, the themes of baking in our books that we, you know, can't help but throw in because we love it ourselves. And that was a lot of fun. So um, I was a little bit nervous that I'd do the scones because I had my, you know, back back to the oven as they were cooking, interviewing the other authors about their scones. You were very brave and it was a lovely thing to do, especially with all your love of cooking and you you sharing your yo-yo biscuit recipe, your prize-winning recipes. So that's another thing people can get if they follow you on your um, Mail and L Wrights, Facebook, Instagram. They can get a few recipes as well, which is lovely for us all to have at this time, isn't it? Make some new things. Yeah. yeah, I think so. I don't know why people guard their special recipes. I'm happy to give away recipes to anybody. I love seeing someone taking a recipe and sharing it and then my recipe is full of books, uh, full of different, you know, messages from other people in their handwritten notes with their different little quantities and, oh, I love it. <laughs> Great fun. And it comes through in your books how much you love it too, Maya. Now, the next question is about writing, actually. How different was it writing your second book to the first? And also for the writers out there, what's your process of writing? Yeah, it was certainly a different process. Um, When I was writing Wildflower Ridge, we were building our house at the same time. So I would do an hour of power in the evenings and that would be my main time that I would work on the first draft of that book. And I was also studying through Writer Studio Australia and that was a really lovely structure to follow. Each month I had to, you had to be up to a certain point. So I had the, the real structure of that um, course to guide me through the process of writing my first, first draft. Um, and then so, of course, when it came time to write Bottle Rush Creek, it was a little bit um, nerve-wracking because I didn't have all this structure and I didn't have, I just had my own, you know, roadmap of, okay, this is pretty much how I did it last time. These are the different points that I followed. Um, and so I had to muddle through it a bit myself. And, of course, you know, it makes you a bit nervous because people loved Wildflower Ridge, and which is wonderful. Yeah, and I was nervous that people would go, oh, Water Rush Creek, oh, just no, no, first one was better. And I think all writers have that for the second second book. But 
thankfully for me, that hasn't been a problem. People have loved Waterbrush Creek as well. And, you know, I've heard people say they loved it even more. So that's really nice. I think for me, a lot of the experiences were the same. You know, the renovating for a start. And also my husband rode motorbikes when we were young. And you've put some of that in there as well. And a lot of his friends still collect like the classic motorbikes so yeah a lot of it related to me a little bit more whereas Penny being the high-flying executive I've never been like that so I think Angie was more me and my friends in a way so yes as I said before I was nodding along and and really really liked her I'd like to have her as a friend or take her under my wing a little bit I think and uh, yeah as the youngest of the McIntyre sisters I think that's what you wanted to come through wasn't it yeah I think so thank you I'm so glad you loved Angie it's really nice and I loved hearing that you know that motorbike theme also really resonated with you Michelle because you know, I think they're one of those um, one of those things that not everyone loves motorbikes, but if you do, you really have a special place for them in your heart. So it was it was really nice to be able to include that. Yeah. Um, and in terms of my actual writing process, so generally what I like to do is I get my best writing done in the morning. So I get the kids off to school. Yeah. Do you find that you're fresher in the morning? Straight up, yes. And get get those words down before the day gets on top of you I guess yeah yeah I definitely feel that so if I've got a nice hot cup of tea and I'm at my desk at nine o'clock then I know I'm going to have a much more productive morning um so I try and shuffle you know the jobs that need to be done before the kids go to school if I get the washing out on the line before they're at school if I can get you know tea slightly prepped before they go to school then I'm winning so you become very fast at all those jobs, don't you? Because you're like, well, it's eating into my writing time. The washing gets out so quickly and, yes, then you can start your actual fun day. <laughs> That's right. So I really I really enjoy that. And then in terms of, um, you know, I spend, oh, probably it's been about 11 months on the first draft of each book. So it takes me a while to put it together. Um, and then, you know, now that I have a contract for this, this is my third book that I'm working on at the moment, which comes out next winter in 2021. You know, luckily I started writing that as soon as I finished the first draft of Bottle Brush Creek. Oh, that's good. You have to. And I, I know it's been um, very favourable responses from people. Can you tell us some of the comments that might have surprised you as you're hearing from booksellers and readers? Any heartwarming messages? Yeah, well, actually, I had this beautiful message from um, one of the teachers from my primary school, and she said the most beautiful thing. She said something along the lines of, I can hear your voice in these characters. I can I can feel your values. I can feel, you know, how you feel about your family as I'm reading the book. And, I, and that was so touching. I, I nearly cried when I read that message because you, as a writer, you're hoping that you're putting forward a story that people can relate to. And you're hoping that you're putting forward um, stories that have got some um, some strong messages to them. In, in the first book, Wildfire Ridge, I looked at succession planning and I looked at farm safety and, and now in Bottle Rush Creek I look at the treatment of women in workplaces and that juggle of family dynamics um, and living so close to your in-laws. Um, but the thing that I kind of forget that also shines through is there's a lot of me in the books as well. But, um, yeah, I kind of forget that I'm putting 
bits of me in there as I'm going along. <laughs> it certainly is because I've got to know you first as an Instagram friend and then from the Romance Writers Conference. Then we did our In Conversation last year. We finally got to chat in person about the first book. So hopefully next year I'll be able to see you in person and chat about that third book. Um, and can you give us a hint about the third book? Who will it be about this time? Which of the McIntyre sisters? Yes, so for book three, I've got Lara McIntyre. And anyone who's read Wildflower Ridge will know that Lara gets a bit of a rough end of the stick in the first book. She um, She's quite a polarising character. She's got things about her that seem to, like my, I was talking to my sister on the weekend and she's in the middle of reading Bottle Rush Creek for the first time. And she said, no, I still don't like Lara. I don't like her. I just don't know if I can handle a whole book on her. I said, well, the thing is, though, I get to write Lara's side of the story in book three because it's all about her and, and you really get to understand a lot more about the challenges that she's been through and why she is the way that she is. So I think it's people have got, you know, the light side and they've got the dark side. It's really nice to be able to give a bit of a face to, you know, why people are the way they are sometimes. Oh, exactly. Sometimes the prickly characters are, are interesting to write, probably more interesting than the ones that are a bit more like us. So I'm sure Angie and, you know, took a lot of your traits on Maya, especially with the house building and stuff. But yeah, I can't wait to hear Lara's story. I think all of the McIntyres, I feel like they're family now and Angus is just such a beautiful person. So the little snippets that you've given us of their life throughout this book are really wonderful for readers who've read them both. So thank you for that. Oh, thank you very much. It's lovely to know that um, these characters are staying with you after you've closed the last page. Yes, it is really good. Now, I know you haven't seen your own family for a while. So as we come out of lockdown, where will be the place that you most want to visit? Yes, Michelle, I am so excited to hear that the borders are opening in South Australia in July because I, I grew up in a really small town just not far from the border of Victoria and South Australia called Tantanula and I only had 200 people when I was growing up there. I think it's got even less people there now. Uh, it's a very, very small town. But and my mum and dad live not far from there now. They've moved to a town called Beachport and it's a beautiful little coastal town about two hours from where I currently live. So the second those borders open, I'm taking the kids on a road trip across the border and visiting South Australia. So that'll be lovely. I'm looking forward to that. Yes. Always nice to give your mum a hug after all this time and for the kids. And has she read the book? Have the family read the book yet? Yes, mum is my very first reader and she's such a lovely person. There's a bit of Rosa, um, a bit of, you know, my mum in Rosa because she's a very enthusiastic grandmother and, you know, it's lovely to be able to put little bits of people that you know into different characters, making mixing them with complete fiction, of course. But, um, yes, so mum has read the book. She loves it. And my nana, who's just turned 92, oh. she was my second reader, so she loved it as well, which is great. Um, and my dad hasn't yet, but he'll read it on audiobook. He helped me out with some of the motorbike scenes. Well, that's he sounds lovely. And he uh, used to write for a motorcycle magazine, didn't he? And he, t he yeah. was the one who told you, write what you know, I think. Is that right? That's correct. And it's been advice that's served me so well. I'm so grateful for the fact that I think I would have been maybe 14 or so when I started trying to write articles for magazines, just like Dad did. And uh, his advice has served me very well because rural living and 
you know, small country communities is exactly my, you know, my forte. It's where I've always lived and it, happily for me it comes across okay on the page. Oh, yes, it does. And although it's called a rural romance, they're putting it in the rural romance, I think it's got a lot more contemporary elements to it, Maya, and just modern life and things that we can all relate to. And you do um, write sometimes for Romance Writers Australia. Can you tell us as other writers how that has helped you in your writing journey? Yeah, I was very quick to stick my hand up when I first joined Romance Writers back in 2018 and not long after I joined, they'd put out a call for blog volunteers and I thought, oh, yes, I could do that. Um, And it was the perfect way I suggested that perhaps I interview a different author each month, do a book review on one of their latest books and my, I guess my... um, my one requirement was I wanted to interview established authors because really for me, I wanted to be able to sponge their beautiful information and and their thoughts for how they would go on about it. Um, And one of the questions that I love asking, and I've been doing this blog for three years now, um, and I've interviewed some beautiful authors who've just been so generous with their time and their advice. Um, One of my favourite things to ask is, what do you tell people if they give you flat for writing romance? Because, you know, as you would know, sometimes when you say to people, oh, I'm a writer, and people say, well, what do you write? There's often a snide giggle when you say the word romance. And I don't know why, because love makes the world go round and and everyone loves to be loved and to have someone that they love in their life. But nevertheless, I was finding on more than one occasion that as soon as I said I write romance, um, there'd be a little laugh and, and someone would ask about, oh, how spicy is it or something like that. Exactly. But, That's the first question, yeah. Yes. And so I love the different answers that people say um, that the authors have given to that particular question because it's given me all this ammunition if someone says, oh, you write romance, do you? And I'll say, yes, but, you know, I love my job. Can you say the same thing? Or yes, but it's the highest selling genre of all the oh, different books. Exactly. That's the one yes. I use a lot, yes. <laughs> it, it, and it is. It's great to have that up your sleeve, isn't it? Oh, yes. And we shouldn't really have to defend ourselves, but every romance writer I've spoken to, from Amy Andrews to you to Tina Marie Clark, who writes like thrillers in Africa, but with an element of romance. We all have to defend ourselves from time to time, but that's all right. We're enjoying what we're doing and, you know, it makes people happy and makes people smile. So why not? Yeah. Absolutely. I agree. And I love that, you know, that nice feeling that you'll get when you pick up a romance at least you know there will definitely be challenges throughout the story there'll be different um, moments where the characters where you won't be sure whether they're going to get there happily ever after but you can kind of pick it up and read it in the comfort of knowing that there's going to be a happily for now at the end or or happily ever after so you don't necessarily know which characters there's going to be but you know that there's going to be a nice feeling at the end of that book Exactly. And we've all learned that family and love are the most important things when it comes down to it. When we can't do anything else, our family's there, our partners. So, yeah, that's been wonderful. My last question, what are you reading now? Who do you like to read? Yes, I love reading. I read voraciously, Michelle. If I don't have a good book on the go, there's something wrong. (laughs) So I just last night finished The Switch, which is by Beth O'Leary. And she's an English 
author. I loved her book last year, The Flat Share. Did you read that one last year? You recommended it to me though. So I'll go and find it now (laughs) that I've been reminded again. And I think I follow Sally Hepworth and she's recommended both of those as well. So good, good choices there. I, I really enjoyed that. And I do, I primarily read Australian authors because you know, with my blog, I'm lucky enough to get sent review copies and I've got a great big to-be-read pile sitting, you know, in my bookshelves of exciting ones that I'm really looking forward to getting to. Um, so I finished last night the switch and then tomorrow I'm going to be picking up Josephine Moon's newest book, The Cake Maker's Wish. And how did that go cover? But I couldn't get it. I was at Annie's on Perigen where you've done a talk as well. Oh, yes. They'd sold out because, as you know, Josephine's a Sunshine Coast author. So, yeah, the cover is amazing, isn't it? It is beautiful. It looks right up my alley. So um, I'm excited to have Josephine as a guest on my newsletter coming up, the July newsletter. So I get to interview her as well, which is very lovely. Thank you. Thank you for those recommendations, Maya. Um, so I'm so proud of you and all that you've done. I, I did wait a couple of days before reading Bottle Bush Creek because I was the same as you. You know, other readers, you go, I love the first one. Will it be just the same? Will I love her just the same? Well, I loved her even more. So thank you so much, Maya. feel like a proud big sister. And, yes, uh, good luck with the next one, Lara's story. And then I guess we'll be seeing Diana's after that. With a bit of luck, if um, if Bottle Brush Creek keeps selling well and people keep um, writing lovely reviews, then hopefully my publishers, Adeline and Unwin, decide that it's a good move. Oh, good. Oh, and the other thing, you've got a, a B um, version of Wildflower Ridge out, haven't you? Is that in? Have yeah. you got one to show us there? Yes, I'll just get it from behind the thing. Bear with me two seconds. <laughs> So we have this beautiful little B format version. And if you put it next to the big version oh, of this. I wonder yeah, if so you different, yeah. Yeah, it's a little bit smaller. It's a little bit cheaper. It's the same big story. It's just at a different price point. Um, and because the, um, the better reading team or the readers voted it as number 90, uh, 79 in the better reading challenge, it means that it gets to stay on the shelves at Big W um, across Australia for the next 12 months. So for me, as a new author, it's absolutely fantastic. It's been really fortunate. No, I voted for you. And thank you also. On the inside of Bottle Brush Creek, you've included a quote from She Society. So for those people who are starting to read it, remember to read our quote in there. And yeah. Also in the inside pages of the middle format of the Bottle Rush Creek as well. Oh, sorry, Wildflower Ridge. So in both. Oh, thank you. I'll have to go and get that now. I'll be racing out to Big W. Well, Maya, congratulations. <laughs> You've done such a wonderful job. And Australian authors are doing so well all around the globe. So I hope that everything goes well with this book and your further writing. Thank you for being with She Society today. And that's all from Buzzing About Books. Stay sparkly, everybody. Thank you, Maya. Thank you, Michelle. This podcast is brought to you by She Society.